Welcome to Combos from the Couch by Life Stance Health, where each episode covers the many facets of mental health and well-being. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Combos from the Couch by Life Stance Health. I'm Nicolette Lianza, and on this episode, I'll be talking with Lynn Tran, a psychiatric nurse practitioner from our Long Beach, California office, and we'll be talking about teen girls and eating disorders. So welcome, Lynn. Great to have you on. Thank you for having me, Nikki. Great. According to the National Eating Disorders Association, about one in 35 teen girls in the U.S. will experience an eating disorder sometime in their lifetime. And so, Lynn, I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. As you share with us, why we're seeing such high rates of eating disorders in teen girls, and what are some signs and symptoms of it. So welcome again. Let's get started. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, my name is Lynn Tran. As you just said, I'm a psychiatric nurse practitioner at our Life Stance office here in Long Beach, California. Um, I've been with Life Stance for a year and a couple months now. Before that, I worked uh, for another private practice in New York. I went to school in Columbia. I graduated in the middle of the pandemic in 2020. That was quite tough for New York City. So it was quite an experience. And I felt like I never gave New York City a true experience. But New York during the pandemic is not the Oh, I would think that would be have been really rough, to say the least. My gosh. So I'm glad to be back in California. And um, during my training in school, I did a lot of work with foster care kids and teenagers. And I work at the New York State Psychiatric Institute, the eating disorder inpatient unit. And that sparked my interest in learning more about eating disorders and a very unique populations that mostly women suffering a lot from it. So you actually just jumped in because I was going to ask what got you interested in working with clients with eating disorders. So it sounds like you worked a lot with women and teens who were struggling with it. Yeah. yeah so I'm, I love children. I have nine nieces and nephews, actually. So nice. when I first started school, I was like, I want to work with kids um, because I think it's so important to focus on kids' mental health from the very beginning, right? You, it's important to give kids a framework how to deal with my emotions, how to articulate, how to process, how to engage with others. Nowadays, we focus a lot in social and emotional skills, and I think that has to start in childhood. So I started working with kids in the foster care system and kids going to teenage. And there's a lot of lack of control with kids in the foster care system, right? So a lot of time we would hear complain of they very hard to listen or they don't listen at all. Right. A lot of behavior issues, a lot even of be- potentially. behavior yeah. issues, exactly. Um, and then for school, I work part-time at the New York State Inst- Psychiatric Institute. And I was, I knew of eating disorder, but it just never occurred to me that it got to that level mm. people can be that adverse to food because I'm a foodie. <laughs> got <laughs> you, got you. I couldn't imagine starving myself and not eating for hours or days on ends. And so when I started working there, it just opened my eyes to a whole nother level. I was like, this is, I'm sure things have crossed your mind. This is not the right thing to think, but people was like, wow, how do they do that? I, I, I think... Not that we don't see it throughout the world, but I think we definitely have high rates of eating disorders within the United States. So I think culturally here in the United States, 
we definitely see it as well. With that being said, I'm a foodie too. And another point in what you're saying is your work with foster youth. I too had did a lot of work in the foster care system as well and also saw those eating disorders too. So I'm really glad that you're bringing this up for sure. Why do you think we're seeing such high rates of eating disorders in teen girls? Studies have shown that as early as eight years old, girls have seen have a, a significant decline in their view of their own body image compared mm-hmm. to boys. The body image issues, the body really image issues started mm-hmm. right at eight years old. And it's just getting younger and younger with all the food that we're eating, the hormones changes. Girls see bodily changes a lot sooner than boys do, right? The boys, mm-hmm. their boys don't drop until late teen years or they don't get a goat spot until later on and beer and whatnot. But girls have breasts and certain bodily functions that you. come out a lot sooner. Mm-hmm. And then their menstruation started around mm-hmm. 11, 12, just mm-hmm. right the beginning of the teenage years. And then social media. Right. I, I hate to keep <laughs> beating the same drum, mm-hmm. but, but it's just the image right yeah um, seeing what is idealized as beauty standards right. of the perfect body does not help got you there so and an image was a thousand words you don't have to say anything no, exactly yeah. exactly so you're hitting it right on the head of why we're seeing higher rates of it as well so what are some signs and symptoms of possible eating disorders in teens so it start with thoughts and it's it's harder to to diagnosed with thoughts but it's important as in the family and household to have conversation about food conversation about body image and if you keep seeing that they avoiding looking at themselves in the mirror they avoiding talking about food they never have any kind of favorite food when they hang out with friends they never talk about we go to this restaurant eating these things so it start with what are they thinking about mm-hmm. and then go on to Okay, what are we doing? Are we having meals at a family? And mm-hmm. it's hard with nowadays with both parents working in most households Fair to point. have to sit down right, eating. Right. But still, you should still be able to be aware that what did she have for lunch? Does she wake up and jump right on the bus in the car? Or do we have time to have a little bit of breakfast? What was the last time you remember seeing her eating something, honestly? I think a lot of what you're saying is of observing if it's parents looking for signs and symptoms of their teen girls, observe them. Are you seeing them eat in the morning? Are they just jumping on the bus and heading to school? Uh Are you seeing them a little bit? Are they taking a lunch with them? Are they buying lunch? It's all that. I think that's a key point for sure. And kids are so busy now that they, oh gosh, they have school all day. They have after school practice and they have after school homework and volunteer program. So it's easy to not seeing them whole day. It's mm-hmm. easy to like, okay, I don't know what she had for lunch or dinner. It's such a key point. So that's where I'm thinking some parents might actually miss some of the signs and symptoms because they're not observing what their kids are eating and could be them missing that. But if we're looking at someone who's doing disordered eating or restricting eating, uh, their parents might be missing that the girl's doing that. I didn't bring out the DSM-5 criteria because it's not the parent's job to diagnose. Fair point. 
Fair so point. you don't have to diagnose, but you need to observe and pay attention and see, okay, and obviously significant weight loss, one or two point BMI, is that something that you should talk to somebody? Like maybe you should have a physical done once a year anyway, mm-hmm. check their BMI, check all the labs level and the PCP usually the first person to catch if there's something going on, the underway or whatnot, then with your observation and the weight, then you need further investigation and maybe have them talk to a professional. You don't have to Google the DSM-5 and follow it. That's too much. Right. That'd be a lot of pressure for sure. I think as we're talking about parents observing their children with eating, trying to observe if they're not eating. And then at the other end, because eating disorders can also look like binge eating, things like that. Observing if we're seeing those behaviors, correct? Yes, yes. You're right. See, this is already a bias that we I know. Have. No, it's, I hear you. We, we started with one end, but you're absolutely right. It goes to the, the whole gamut the spectrum. Yeah, mm-hmm. which makes Binge it more eating. complicated. We're not just looking at and one aspect. It could look like so many different things. So, no, I hear you with that. So what is some advice uh, for parents for how parents can be positive role models for their teens when it comes to navigating healthy eating? So it's about culture. Every household is a culture. Yeah. Yeah. So how do we talk about food? How do we talk about body image? Do we enjoy cooking together? Do we watch cooking show together? What's going on in the kitchen? Anybody Mm -hmm. touch the kitchen? Anybody turn the stove on lately? (laughs) Right? Right. Right. There should be cultural food. Whatever culture you are, yeah, what culture you from, there's always cultural food. True. Involve the extended family. Yeah. Involve grandparents and aunts and uncles. Auntie mm-hmm. Nikki has this favorite dish right. that she can make. Yeah. Auntie Lynn yeah. is very good at making this. Talk about food. Involve the family. Mm-hmm. Don't try to push them. Don't try very rigid rules about food you have to always finish your plate yeah just have to you want to be mindful you want to be not wasteful but it's something that you hate so much and it's it it shouldn't be a battle it shouldn't be a battle at every meal time food should be and that's what food does food should excite you i don't know food excites me got you i hear you you're speaking my language there and i love how you're pointing out it shouldn't be a battle i think i mentioned a little bit like culturally within the u.s how we see higher rates of eating disorders also culturally how the u.s navigates food and meal times it's often like just maybe we're not sitting together it's not really us sitting and enjoying it like you're saying it should be something we're enjoying I, I think we, we see that emulated definitely in, I am a, a ethnicity is Italian and in Italian culture, it is sitting down, enjoying your food, taking several hours to really have that dinner and things like that. So here, that's not quite what we see. So I love the fact that you're emphasizing this, really just enjoying it and stuff. So appreciate that. Anything else you want to add to that in the role modeling for parents? And honestly, they see the kids, see how you treat yourself yeah. before they see how you kid, you treat them. So parents, be kind to yourself. Maybe you don't need to lose that extra five pounds. Maybe we don't need to go on that extra diet. Maybe as you're cleaning the dish, you don't have to finish whatever's on the plate. <laughs> right, right. And right. mom's guilty of this, right? It's right. Like, oh, I'm just going to clean and I'll just, I don't have to. I know it's a waste and it's hard to see food going to waste, but... If you're full, if you don't enjoy it, you don't have to finish it. So remember that how you treat yourself yeah. is how the kids see yeah. and take away. That's the main point. 
Right. And that brings it back. The parents are the role model, how they're treating themselves, how mom is treating herself is going to role model how daughter, even sons, I though particularly was focusing on teen girls here, but that is going to role model. If teen girl is always saying mom, I'm compulsive, compulsive dieting, things like that, restricting, always calorie counting, that's going to definitely come on down and be role model to her. So I, I, again, I'm really appreciating that you're emphasizing that. Any other takeaways you'd like to share? So I think eating disorder is a sense of control as mm-hmm. well. So when mm-hmm. we talk about a sense of control, it's not just with food around the house. It's the emphasis on flexibility mm-hmm. as well. The emphasis on life is all about changes and you can't predict and control. Right. You can plan 10 steps ahead of time. So, you know, maybe we don't have to plan things to the minute right. on every vacation. so rigid about it too. Yeah. Right. So maybe we can enjoy the unexpected a little bit. There's a balance of what you should show up on time and you should get things ready, but just a cultural emphasis on mm-hmm. things, rigidity yeah. can translate to different things like body image or eating disorder. Yeah, I, I agree. I think the point I'm hearing you say is that eating disorders can come out of a family dynamic, the culture of the family itself. Mm-hmm. And if we're seeing rigidity or different things like that's going to definitely not help and possibly even nurture eating disorders moving forward right. too. And to add to that, yeah, please, last please. Point is that all of this feels like, like giving parents more responsibility and more work to do. And, and I just want to end on the note that the idea of a good enough mother, right, by yeah. uh, Dr. Winnicott, um, about there's so many books out there, there are podcasts, mm-hmm. there's TV shows, right. there all sort of thing to tell you how to raise your child, not to follow any of this or all of this. And just be kind to yourself. Yes. You know what to do if your child is well-fed, is well-clothed, they go to school, they're kind to others. You're doing a wonderful job. Right. That's good, good enough. enough right there. It's good enough. Oh my gosh, Lynn, thank you. Great way to wind down our episode for sure. So thank you again for sharing all your knowledge on this topic. Thank you for having me, Nikki. It's been great. You're welcome. I'd also like to thank the team behind the podcast, Jason Clayton, Juliana Whitten, and Chris Kelman. With a special thanks to Jason Clayton, who edits our episodes. Take care, everyone. 